And now I'd love to take some time for your questions. You can respond to some of the comments that have been shared and, and address questions that have come in. Thank you so very much for that very powerful presentation. And uh, it was very, it was very moving and inspiring. So um, first, um, if you could just share, I know you mentioned it along the way, uh, like where they could find uh, your books as well as uh, how to reach out to you and get involved. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. I've got so many answers. So I started Food Revolution Network with my dad 12 years ago, and we have over 700,000 members now. Our mission is healthy, ethical, sustainable food for all. We're trying to change the way the world eats, and we want to help everybody be a part of this revolution. So we've got a lot of resources that we put together. First of all, our website is foodrevolution.org. We have hundreds and hundreds of articles on our website on all the major food and health topics of our times. So check it out. You can Google foodrevolution.org and then type in whatever you're looking for, and you'll probably find articles on that topic, whether it's oxalates or thyroid or immune health or heart health or just about any other topic. All the A lot of the major foods, if you want to turn, learn about soy, want to learn about corn, want to learn about potatoes, want to learn about sweet potatoes, we got it. We got articles on that. Okay. That's resource number one. Resource number two, go to foodrevolutionsummit.org, check out our Food Revolution Summit. Uh, you can watch episodes of the docu-series completely for free. And that's a great resource. And I wrote a book, 31 Day Food Revolution, Heal Your Body, Feel Great, and Transform Your World. It's available where books are sold and certainly online. You can get it on Amazon. It walks you through implementing all that we're talking about here. So uh, 31 chapters, each one ends with a simple action step you can take to apply what you're learning. Part one focuses on detoxifying. It's getting rid of the bad stuff that makes us sick. Part two is focusing on nourishing uh, the superfoods that are super healthy, that can make us super vibrant and well, and how to incorporate them into your life in ways that are pleasurable. Chapter three is gather. It focuses on how to build your community, your web of relationships to help you thrive and sustain. There's the old saying that if you want to know who you're going to be in 10 years, look who you're hanging out with today. The people around us tend to shape us, but we also tend to shape them. So Gather looks at the social side of food and how you can implement this and be a leader in your communities. And then part three is transform. And that's where we look at how you can be an agent of change on the planet. This is kind of my personal favorite part because I'm really passionate, as you can probably tell, about changing the world. And that's what we get into in part four. So that's all in 31 Day Food Revolution. And that's a great resource. And then I will say also, we're coming out with a cookbook our first cookbook uh, in October, and it's available for pre-sale now if you want to get a super early bird purchase of it. It's called Real Superfoods, Everyday Ingredients to Elevate Your Health. And this is a book I wrote with Nicole D'Andrea Russert, Food Revolution Network's lead dietitian and recipe developer. And we really focus on, you know, the real superfoods, which aren't like super high price, fancy dancy stuff from the other side of the world. It's the foods that can do the most good for the most people. I don't know any superheroes that only save the rich and the well-connected. So this is about being super because it can help people. And so that's a great resource. Uh, Real Superfoods is, uh, it's all about, you know, the cabbage and the legumes and the allium family and how to use them for optimal health and wellness and culinary delight. I see the question from Leilani probably about the summit. What time or day did this start? I'm wondering how much did I miss? So the Food Revolution Summit just happened. Um, and so it's actually technically over, but if you register at foodrevolutionsummit.org, you can still watch episodes one and eight, and then you can also have the option to purchase the, the whole series for life with the empowerment package. Um, 
And uh, yeah, there's the there's the landing page right there. So just a quick, simple, easy way to register if you want to. And then you can also get on our email list from there. And um, and we'll let you know if we release it again in the future um, for free. Um, and um, yeah, Summit was amazing, says Mona. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, great. Thank you so much for sharing all, all of that, uh, all the ways to get involved and to reach out. So we'll now begin our Q&A session. We'll be asking questions of the presenter. And if the audience has questions, we will open up uh, to the audience as well. We first just want to explain to everybody how this works. We don't take questions directly from the chat. Instead, we will ask, we ask everyone to virtually raise their hand. If you're not sure how to do this, what you want to do is click on reaction on the reactions button at the bottom toward the right, second from the right in the Zoom window. Then you'll click on raise hand function in the menu that pops up. We will then take questions in, in the order in which they are received. When it's your turn, we, I will unmute you and prompt you to state where you're from and ask your question. We ask that everyone keep their questions brief and on topic. We will then mute you. In order to give everyone the chance to get to ask their question, we will, uh, we will not allow follow-ups. However, if you do want to ask another question or follow-up, you can raise your hand again and get on the back of the line. So with that, I see that we have one question from the audience here, and that is Dominique. Dominique, please state where you're from and ask your question. Hi, my name is Dominique. I'm uh, from Canada, and I was uh, really happy to see Ocean because I followed the Food Revolution Network Summit, and it was amazing. I even bought the Empowerment and Advanced Empowerment Package because awesome. I have so many people in my life who have been... Well, who have been trying to um, get to drink the Kool-Aid, but obviously it's not working. And um, so you said love them be in re uh, regardless of their what they eat and stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm an ethical vegan. And I have seen so many um, horrific images of uh, animal torture than, yeah. that when I see either, you know, chicken, whatever, I just see these images and I cannot be part of this yeah. so it's hard for me because I'd like to partake and to be you know loving and stuff but it's just it it, it gets me to my soul and I cannot partake yeah. do you have so do you have uh, any <laughs> suggestions yeah I get it I get it you know this is one of the hardest things um to face I I'll, I'll say like uh, this is not a metaphor I use widely, but I'm Jewish and, um, you know, I have ancestors who have endured a lot of suffering. And, um, you know, there was a time when Nazi Germany was using human bodies to create lampshades. And, you know, I don't think there was actually cannibalism going on, but, you know, some horrific things. And, um, you know, I think that to an ethical vegan, it can feel a little bit similar, like the notion of eating animal flesh can feel a little bit like eating human flesh. It's like, just because it's normal, just because it's, it's common in our society, doesn't make it conscionable. And, you know, what I, my perspective is that everyone draws the line of um, ethics in a different spot. So like to one, I don't know anybody who would actually eat human flesh, right? Um, and I don't know many people that would want to eat monkeys or dogs or cats because there's a sense of connectedness. There's a sense of relatedness. Um, 
but um you know i think then somewhere over there you've got in most people there's kind of a hierarchy maybe like maybe there's pigs and there's cows and then there's chickens and then there's fish and you know and then there's you know um you know whatever like you get to clams or whatever and then and then somewhere over there you got plants and then some people say plants have feelings too right and my perspective is that there is a spectrum of human relatedness that each of us has a different sensibility around so to one person it's a really crisp line like mammals or it's it's you know warm-blooded creatures or it's anybody that has a face or has a mom or a, do a, a dad right and then for other people it's more complex and uh and more culturally defined in the philippines they eat dogs in the u.s people wouldn't mostly think of eating dogs in some places they eat horses other folks are like heck no why do people love horses but not love cows in the same way it's cultural and so i try to have like respect for people's sovereignty to decide for themselves where they want to draw that line and i know that for many of our ancestors they ate what they could you know and survival was at stake there weren't ethical vegans for the most part anywhere in human history it's a privilege today that we have the option to choose what we eat so with such a wide range of scenarios and options and to to supplement with things like b12 and omega-3s and specific vitamins and minerals that we may need it's a privilege and our ancestors didn't have that so when i talked earlier about how in the world to come the learners will inherit the earth and the learned find themselves exquisitely prepared for a world that no longer exists. That's part of the point here is that we're learning, we're evolving creatures. And I do believe that plant-based eating is part of the evolution of humanity. I do believe that it's critical to our survival as a species and to our wellness as humans, but it's a relatively new option to have the option to go all the way to vegan and actually do well. Relatively new. I'm not saying there weren't ethical vegans in history, but there haven't been that many and certainly not going back many, many generations. So from my perspective, then I have compassion and respect for people who are doing what makes sense to them. And I also have my own ethical sensibilities. And I don't expect everybody to draw the line in the same place that I do, or have the same boundaries or bright lines or rules that I do. Um, I do believe that the same me that loves animals also loves humans. And I love animals that eat animals, by the way. I love cats and dogs, even if they're not vegan. They're doing what's in their nature. I realize humans have choice, so we may hold it differently. But from my perspective, they don't always, humans don't always feel that they have choice. They haven't always made that choice consciously. And so I just have a sense of like, this is another being. They deserve love and respect. And I know that my capacity to influence them effectively wanes if I pathologize, judge, and blame them. They're going to feel that. It's not going to bring out the best in them. So if I want to be an effective influence, I've got to find my way. And by the way, I think it's better for my own heart to love people no matter what they eat. Doesn't mean I'm going to condone it. Doesn't mean I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I'm turning a blind eye. I'm still, I'm grossed out by certain smells, right? Personally, I can't help but see the animal crying in a cage or being slaughtered when I watch somebody eating it. That's part of my experience. I don't want to dehumanize that, but I also don't want to dehumanize them, like doing what makes sense to them. So I just breathe and settle and realize there are atrocities happening on this planet every single day. So many of them, right? There's war, there's violence. Our tax dollars are funding things none of us want. And yet here we are trying to do the best we can as humans in this world. And so is everybody else. 
not always perfectly. And we keep loving folks and we keep doing our part. Thank you very much for that. So our next question is coming from Mona. Mona, please state where you're from and ask your question. Uh, Savannah, Georgia, thank you. I was wondering if your book was on Audible. Yes, it is. I read it myself. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Oh, that was <laughs> that was a quick one. All right, that worked out well. So uh, let's see here. Next question is coming from Marley. Marley, please state your name. Or actually, please state where you're from and ask your question. Hi. Good afternoon. My name is Marley. I am from Hollywood, Florida. Hi, Robin. It is a pleasure to listen to you today. Hi, Ocean. Um, my question has to do with your book and many other books. I have been finding it difficult to find cookbooks, whole foods, plant-based cookbooks in Spanish. Do you think that's something in the future that may be translated like your book? Great question. I hope so. Um, authors don't really get say when over which, which um, languages their books get translated into. Like 31 Day Food Revolution is in four or five or six languages, but unfortunately Spanish is not one of them to my knowledge. Um, what we really need is, uh, is a publisher in the Spanish speaking world that wants to publish it and then they can make it happen. And um, at Food Revolution Network, we translate some of our resources in Espanol, um, but, um, but not, um, not all of them because we don't have enough Spanish speaking staff to provide full support. Um, but um, absolutely, um, you know, publishers in the Spanish speaking world that have an interest in these topics um, could be found, you know, um, there are there are some organizations in Mexico, for example, that are promoting plant-based eating um, and doing quite well with it, actually. So, you know, using Google and and finding them and then maybe, you know, seeing if they have publishers for their books and so forth could be a step. If you want to take that on, feel free. Okay, so I've got a question. Um, so um, turning it to, to health, what, what are the most important things that you've learned about staying healthy and preventing disease? I mean, the cornerstones are lifestyle medicine. Dr. Dean Ornish says it really well. He says we need to eat better, stress less, love more and move more. So, you know, eat better means essentially eating less sugar and processed junk, eating less animal products, especially from factory farms and eating more whole plant foods. You know, stressing less means that we need to, uh, you know, have more peace, mindfulness practices, things that help us to cultivate calm in our bodies and beings. This is profound. Loneliness can kill faster than cigarettes. So the next one is love more. We need we need human connection. We need camaraderie. We need a sense of belonging. This is critical to our well-being. We're very social creatures. So you need love in your life to optimize your health, and then. Exercise more, of course, is big. We hear it all the time, but, you know, and, and there's a couple aspects here. One is consistency, like getting at least 20 minutes of brisk walking in every day is super helpful if you can, if your body allows for that. Um, and the other is intensity. Um, so you, you need sometimes when you're like, heart is beating hard, you want to get up to like 150 beats per minute in most cases, if your body can handle this. And you know, so running or some form of brisk exercise, at least a couple times a week. And then the third thing to consider is, you know, um, 
you need cardio, but, but you also need resistance training and strength training to optimize your skeletal strength and health. And so weights can be really helpful as well. So there's all different tools and resources for exercise, you know, but I feel like if you don't use it, you lose it. And that's true of muscles. That's true of agility. That's true of, um, you know, flexibility. So leaning into whatever you've got, even if it's really hard, even if walking, you know, for five minutes is a big deal. Well, try four and try five. You know, I used to be a marathon runner. And then a few years back, I had completely stopped running. I wanted to start up again. And I started with like running three minutes, jogging. And I remembered what it was like to run fast for hours. And now I was like jogging for three minutes, but I knew I had to start slow. And even then I was like sore the next day and I felt ashamed, but I kept at it. And the next day I did four minutes and the next day I did five minutes, slowly, slowly, slowly. And within a few months I was jogging five miles and getting it back. It comes back, but it takes time. So like have patience with yourself, have love for yourself if you're not in the best of shape at some point, but then keep going and and make it a habit but the other thing about exercise and i'm emphasizing exercise a lot because i think it's so important to health and wellness and we've been talking mostly about food the other thing about exercise is you want to do things that you enjoy that that you love actually and ideally bonus points if there's social connection involved for someone else to do it with because that'll make you more accountable and you'll also get any more of your love need met in that process and exercise is good for stress reduction and by the way if you exercise more you're more likely to eat better because you're actually going to cultivate more actual body aliveness and connection. Um, I think mindful eating is also helpful, by the way, like actually noticing your food, having a relationship to it. Um, there are studies showing that when people grow vegetables, they eat vegetables more. There's also studies showing that when people prepare food, they enjoy it more because they're more connected to it. So also taking the time to savor, to smell, to absorb, to be in that relationship and to listen to your own body and not overeat. Michael Pollan famously said, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And I think this is a great wisdom to live by. And the not too much part means you don't overstuff yourself. The average American eats at least 500 calories too much every day. And that translates to wasted money, uh, wasted resources, and also excess weight that we tend to carry around in our bodies. If you eat too many calories, you're probably going to weigh more than you want to. So optimal food depends on knowing when you're full and listening to your body's satiety symbols. That's easier when you're eating real food. When you're eating hyper-processed foods, it's easier to override your body's natural impulses. <laughs>